everyone to episode 23 of Room of Requirement, our podcast dedicated to resilience and... Reason? Reason yeah, yeah, at the time yeah, of yeah, Trump. Yeah, yeah so um, I am one of your co-hosts, Kamala Shrao, and with me, as always, is Miracle Jones. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Miracle, I mean, it's been a while since we talked, yeah. uh, and like a lot has gone on, yeah. um, both politically, I guess, and personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is maybe one of the reasons we haven't recorded for a while. Yeah, yeah. it's been crazy flux happening around here, uh, at least for me anyway, and for, for both of us, right? Yeah. We both have yeah, kind of so, new jobs. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, since the, uh, yeah, let's just, gotta, uh, let's just talk about what's going on in our lives yeah, first for and sure. foremost. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess I will go first. I am, um, I have a new job, or at least I will start a new job in October. Um, I am now in sort of a, a vacation, on-call kind of limbo with my old job, uh, which is actually to my favor. Um, so, um, yeah, and I'm, I effectively have a staycation for the yeah. next, like, for about a month before I start my new job. I would see you definitely seem happier and more relaxed just right. instantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I still, like, get, like, work emails and things like that, and then, I mean, there's such a, like, calm knowing that, like, it's not my... It's it's not my concern, right? Like it's not my thing to worry about anymore. It's kind of lovely. It's great. Yeah, there's definitely like a sense of oh, I don't have to worry about um, politics or uh, at least for a while uh, politics or different personality conflicts or whatever. Um, all the nonsense that makes uh, working in a large corporation really annoying. I think working in a small nonprofit also probably has political dynamics that are terrible as well. But in my case. I'm relieved to be, uh, I'm I'm relieved to be rid of that situation. And, and you were there for a long time. Right? I was there for like more than ten years. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, that I am I am happy to be moving on. So we will see uh, what the future holds. But yeah, as long as I've known you, you've hated that job. So uh, this yeah, is I, great I, news. <laughs> I I hated I I, I, I really do, uh, and did love that job. So <laughs> I'm I'm glad to be done with it. So Trump has found work for you. Yeah, right, right, right. The economy gets better under Trump. Uh, ironically, I'm working for an international bank. So I'm not sure right in the global. You're working for the globalist elite. I am going elite. so globalist. It's probably directly traceable to the Rothschild. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Um, so, uh, what's going on with you? Yeah, Maybe similar for me. I'm just branching out into, I guess, like independent editorial work mm -hmm. uh but no longer in-house with the publishing company i was working with before so focusing on my own publishing company and just anybody that needs a book edited in america i guess i will edit that book for you <laughs> for a lot of money and i will do a good job yeah <laughs> um so i think this is interesting too because like uh we were both going like simultaneously almost just by coincidence we're going through some uh, transitions, right? I think yeah, yeah. almost the exact same time. Um, my transition is r relatively smooth and it brings me like joy and like. <laughs> but I think it's been a stressful time for you. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's always stressful for me. Every time, like I, I've had probably forty jobs in my life. No, and every time I lose a job or like uh, something happens or I'm displaced, I just get this counter in my head, right? Like it's just like my finances. Sure. I, I just feel like a meter just like running down. Yeah. And it just like makes me crazy. Yeah. And until like I have something steady or something like that I can count on, I just feel like a little bit insane. Yeah. But in the freelance lifestyle, it's something I've done before. Right. And I like it, but you just never don't have that counter. It's just right. like you're constantly playing a dumb, bad video game. Right. That is like your finances. But I should, from now on, I should have a lot more free time. That's awesome. As I attempt to cut my, like, overhead down to nothing. <laughs> I can't go out. I have to drink coffee and eat sandwiches. <laughs> um, or, or my counter goes down too quickly. You're right. Um, yeah, and so, like, I mean, how, how did you kind of... So is there any way, other than kind of, like, scrambling for work and things like that, like, how do you think you... Uh, address kind of dealing with stress. Um, obviously, you didn't have this podcast to turn to. And yeah, no, it's it bleak. Crippling, yeah, crippling. yeah, it's bleak. Yeah, but now that we do again, it's yeah. good. I'm, I'm very happy about it. But, you know, like, I mean, still working out and trying to live responsibly, even, yeah. even in the midst of the crunch of, of crisis. And I've got yeah. a lot of great projects I'm working on, and they're extremely therapeutic and good for my soul. I mean, I feel good. Like, yeah. it's like a, it's like a manacles off, right? Like, yeah. I did not like the place i worked all that much 
on some level. Mm. It, it definitely was a grind. Right. And a lot of the stuff I did there I didn't agree with politically. So it, it's good to be away from that. And I feel kind of unleashed to take on projects that I like, which is good. But now it's like the actual, like, the, the, the logistics of things are what's a problem. It's like, oh, right. shit. I'm no longer, it's always been a big corporation, but I'm, no longer, I'm out of the thumb of the man, but right. it's still like, I have to like find a way to be. Yeah. It's still, yeah. Be, I feel better on yeah. balance, but at the same time, it fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, what can you do? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, uh, for me, I've had uh, two jobs in my, enti- in my entire uh, adult life. So like, after I graduated college, two jobs. And I'm old, so like, yeah, uh, two jobs. And what was your What was your first job? Was uh, it similar? Oh, I remember. Like, you, yeah, yeah, I worked yeah, for a rating economy. agency. Yeah, just an economist, right? Yeah, yeah. I was an economist uh, out of uh, worked for a rating agency. Moody's under the chief economist at the time. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it was a great job. I actually uh, not Standard and Poor's. Not Standard and Poor's, but Moody's. Moody's, Moody's yeah, yeah. Um, I worked for a guy. Uh, <coughs> uh, he's effectively my mentor. It was a really good uh, work uh, relationship. Actually, I had. Um, uh, I had a couple of dreams while I was working my old job, um, the job I'm leaving, and where I woke up and I was like, I had returned to my first job, and it was such a great dream. I was so happy. I was so happy to be That back. means something, man. Yeah, that yeah. is something, that right there. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was so happy to return to that job. Because effectively, you're kind of returning to the default state that you were when you left that and took on this like corporate job that you hated. Well, it's not really. I mean, I... I, I I can talk about it. So, like, what has happened in my life, uh, and this may not be super interesting, but uh, effectively I had to choose career paths. Yeah. And so I started out as an economist, and I would do things like I would write commentary, and I would do, let's say, quantitative research. Um, sure. But it was it was usually much more like commentary and thinking about the macroeconomy. I moved away from that. I got more into data science. Um, I had the skills to do it, but it sort of locked me effectively in what I consider myself uh, or what I consider to be uh, a back office, like an analytical back office. It was really, really frustrating. Um, I was no longer considered an economist. I certainly didn't do things like um, go on television or radio or anything like that, which is what I used to do. Um, and now I think it's I am I have I'm not sure whether or not I can ever return to that. Um, so I'm I'm going to continue to be a data scientist, but uh, um, I'm not exactly sure uh, what path will take. So um, uh, I I was in some ways like a junior pundit, and I I, I feel like that path is maybe closed off. Ah, I don't believe that for a second. You yeah. have like such a pundit streak in you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you always be a pundit. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> pays what? Well, uh, I mean, like punditry is usually done by extremely unqualified people. That's that true. Have no skill set. That's true. Are you saying because I became more and more qualified? I, I you've lost the, You've lost your ability to to, to <laughs> spill bullshit. Yeah. You see things that are too complex to simplify. <laughs> that's that's actually kind of true. As I've gotten older, um, but I would say that um, uh, even marking out a transition from a job I really didn't like to a new job, um, I was loath to let go that the job I really didn't like. Like I, I, so effectively, I will be officially quitting on a Friday and then starting work on a, on the following Monday. Um, and I just I, like just having that that sense of paycheck and stability in my life. Um, uh, it was important to me. It still is. You would and give yourself a good credit rating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was. I'm very stable that way. It's very important to keep on top of your finances. I'm like Venezuela. Yeah, not really. I mean, I mean Q- I'm more like Cuba, right? Like, uh, no, I don't think Cuba's so. Cuba's pretty right? stable, honestly, but it's just got like it's because crap. other people, yeah, because yeah. other people pay its debts. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's a little different. Yeah, like, I, I guess mean, that's it's... true. Yeah, nobody pays my debts. I don't know what country I'd be equivalent to. Someplace bad. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd be, you'd probably be but like stable. That. Probably like an African like dic- dictatorship. <laughs> well, I would say you were probably more of a, a, a or of a Charles yeah. Taylor. Right? You're stable, so third world democracy, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not just Charles Taylor. You're, you're not like war torn. You're not <laughs> yeah. that romantic. Like, yes, I mean, that's true. You're, you're, your finances are like you've been able to pay rent. For you know, you know what I am? I'm Estonia. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm technically a democracy. <laughs> right, right, right. But like, it's always in peril. I can go. <laughs> I can go the other There's way. Threat. Yeah, There's I can threat. go both yes, ways. For sure, for sure. If things were to Absolutely. go south, they could definitely be taken over by sure, sure. horrible yes. so, socialists. Yeah, if you're Estonian. Yeah, yeah definitely you're Estonian. Estonian. Um, I was going to say, uh, uh, one of the things I've been doing actually with my time, with my spare time, is I actually went to Aikido. So, like, yeah, uh, you did. You, yes, you made it there. Yeah, yes, yeah. I finally made it. I guess yeah. people who have been listening to this podcast know that I've been promising to do that for a long time. So yeah. There's been some things in the way. You've been injured a yeah, couple sure. times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, uh, so I am... Um, uh, 
I'm, I joined an Akita studio. That's like one of the first things I did. Um, and I, and so I've taken, I think now five or six classes uh, in the past couple of weeks. Um, so hopefully I'm getting better quickly. Other than that, uh, What's the progress like in Aikido? Is it how is it as it measured? Is there a belt there, system? There is a belt system yeah, in yeah. Aikido, so like um, you can see. I mean, I'm clearly a white belt. I'm not exactly sure how how strict the regimen is. I think it's actually pretty strict, but um, uh, in general, there's. Uh, I think whenever you practice, it's usually everyone is practicing, so it's an open level practice, at least in the studios I've been to. Um, and then there's just like one person leading, and maybe they have a couple assistants, but everyone. Can you move up like ten belts if you test really well, or how does it work? Is it just one belt at a time? Just like I think it's a great. I think it's a one belt at a time. And you have to spend a certain amount of time, and like, yeah. I mean, there's there's clearly like a a, a rate to money system. Like you have to spend enough time like training, quote unquote, which means you have to pay enough in fees right, to like get there. Um, but I I will say that I think it's a it's been interesting, um, uh, and uh, I think it'll I think it'll be cool if I can last that long. So that's what I've been doing with my time. I want to say that like the comfort of a routine and having things, especially like yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're like in freelance space or you know if you have a lot of time on your hands, like having a routine is really really nice. Yeah, it definitely. Is. Yeah. I, will, I will look forward to that. Yeah. I, I just have to yeah get myself to a point a place where I've got some work and I'm not too worried about. So, um, you want to talk about politics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So I think there are a, couple, a number of things that are going on. Uh, yeah. But I wanted to touch on something that was also. Uh, mixing the political and personal because you actually are from Texas yeah. and so uh, you knew people who were caught up in uh, Hurricane Harvey. Or oh yeah, like basically that, yeah. everybody. My hometown was destroyed by God yeah. uh, and that was extremely hard to watch but also captivating. Like yeah. I felt like I I could enjoy it more than other people the spectacle of it because I knew the streets and knew the size of the magnitude of what was happening because yeah. you see it and you don't really understand how much water that is and right. like what kind of area that's like and how big it is like right. that's just a massive Houston's a giant it's yeah. a huge city it's you know 7 million people in that area uh, and their lives are all affected and it's yeah. just it was just an insane economic and you know I guess real estate catastrophe as far as human tragedy goes it was thankfully minimal yeah it was really minimal surprisingly minimal yeah like it it was kind of heroically minimal like I think uh, that was the thing that I took away from it it was like I was captivated on social media talking to people who were like getting rescued and like right you actually had conversations on social media about with people who are about to be rescued yeah yeah just like on their roofs you know still getting a connection being like well you know like I hope my uncle's coming or like yeah that's that's really harrowing it was it was scary but also you know people who were in this situation were very Houston about it so they were extremely laid back in a way that made me freaked out you know because it's like is this like your are you being cool because you're like your last moment or are you being cool because you're like you know like you're trying to like not you know but it was but ultimately like yeah the logistics of it were pretty good like people were yeah everything's given yeah um any thoughts in terms of the politics of the storm? I mean, obviously the the people matter far more. Yeah, like, uh, for sure. I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting city, and the mayor, I think, will be rightly regarded as kind of heroic in this period by right. not having people evacuate, understanding that the more people that were back there who stayed in the city, the more yeah. people there were to, like, engage in this massive rescue operation, right? Yeah. I think it's a model going forward for things like this. Like, you right, know, especially if you don't know where... Um, where the storm is going to hit and you yeah. don't know how it's going to hit in terms of flooding yeah i think yeah. they oh, what was it the year before they had yeah a, they had massive floods yeah. massive floods and actually people were killed a tropical storm and, the, and they were and killed right, in the evacuation the during yeah. hurricane rita yeah during hurricane rita so yeah. i think that's what which what hit things. two weeks after uh the hurricane katrina because of the devastation of Katrina, everybody in Houston was terrified they were next. Yeah. So they just put out a general evacuation, and 120 people or something died in just the car 
you know, in, in right being swept up in the storm. Yeah, yeah. and also just like car wrecks because it didn't really hit that much. So yeah. it was just like car accidents on the road, like 150 people died, including like people who died in a bus crash. Yeah, so 35 people died in a bus like flipped over in this like massive evacuation. Yeah. So this time around, the mayor was like, "Stay, don't evacuate." You know, like let's say the baseline for how many people are going to die in an evacuation is probably 100 to 150 people. If yeah. we just tell these seven million people to get on the road at once, right? Yeah. No place to go. So given that, like, will that many people die in flooding? And I think we can see now that the answer is no. Like, flooding's a slow catastrophe. People stay where they are. And also the more people who stay back behind, the more people there are to help save them, right? Right. So in the event of something like this, like a giant flood, if you tell everybody to leave, the people who have the most capacity to leave will, right? right. And those are the people who are probably going to be in the event of a... Uh, uh, actual catastrophe the most helpful right? right they're the most mobile they're the most plugged in yeah the most responsive sure they're the most paranoid Wait, most prepared most prepared yeah. yeah so you want them back where they can do some actual good because they're in the event of something like this where it's not like your house isn't going to cave in yeah. it's going to be a slow flood right yeah. and you might not be the one affected by it most people weren't but those who were needed help be people who weren't you know and so they there was a situation there where despite this being the worst flood in American history there were plenty of people there to help because they weren't they didn't all leave right? okay. I think I think that should be a model for America like if it's just a flood everybody should stay right? yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was an interesting thing I think there are um, a number of angles by, uh, that in particular Harvey was covered but I think right now we're also bracing for a number of storms a number of storms have hit the tropics so I think maybe we haven't uh, written the final history but uh, there were certainly a number of angles that um that came up, right? Like, everyone had sort of their uh, their favorite mode of analysis, um, whether it be climate change or uh, loose regulations or um, or irresponsible zoning or um, a number of other things, right? So, uh, and I think, um, uh, or whether or not it was a celebration of all, all that was great in America. Um, so, uh, Sure. I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, if you read it from the right way, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. That it was like a celebration of all that was great in America? Right, yeah, the heroic rescues. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe. Yes. I think that's a pretty nonpartisan situation. We can all get down with, like, heroic people rescuing sure. people. I mean, Absolutely. I think the left should get in on that. I think that there were plenty of people... I mean, Houston's a liberal city. Yeah. Right? Like, you shouldn't let the right... I mean, it wasn't necessarily. the right was necessarily rescuing people. It was, you know... People who had chosen to live in Houston, which yeah. is the most liberal people in Texas, right? Yeah. And the most... Well, next to Austin. No, I'd say Houstonians are more liberal than Austinites. Austinites are just more white. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. 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 I mean, I would say, by and large, people from Houston are way more, like... Yeah, it is a really, really diverse city, yeah. right? Yeah. One of the most diverse cities. The, the thing that I took out of it, at least from talking to people who are involved in this flood, is in the event of a tragedy or like something like this, a hurricane, a flood set your router to open <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah because people will need that signal they need that signal like if they're tra- rescue people who are rescuing others people who need to be rescued they need to find it their power might go out but power goes out sporadically like one house might be out open on the street right yeah. and that might be you know if that's 50 yards from you you can get to that connection right yeah so if you can if you see the connection on your you know phone right you can get to that and call for help, right? Right. Like the more that should be the thing that the emergency broadcast system tells you to do in the event of an emergency. Even if you're leaving your home, you know, right. like set your router to open and then come yeah. and let anybody make sure that there's a, a wide mesh network of people who can get can help. Make, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. So so many people were just like trolling for wireless connections yeah. and like had to like yeah, brave the elements in order to get to one that was open in order to call for help. Right, yeah. I mean, this was definitely a, a, a disaster over social media and being yeah. connected. I was always, I, I mean, the idea that you get, you're texting from your roof and you weren't trying to, like, uh, set off, like, flare guns and things like that. Um, I think it's just a different dynamic, right? Yeah, and it's going to be a permanent one. Things yeah. are, you know, it's going to be something that, this is the way we're going to respond to right. tragedies like this for the, until, you know, we have telepathy. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, in, until we have universal coverage of wireless, you know, it, as long as it's people, in people's, it's your own private router, set it to, there should be a button on routers, you know, like they should come with, there should be something like an emergency feature for routers where, yeah. you know, even if people who don't know how to set their, open the router up, can just press a button on the side and it opens it up for emergency purposes, right? Yeah. I yeah, I, I think there were security that. issues around that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I'll agree. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else about, uh, Harvey? 
Nah, I mean, I, I was gonna say I, I'll, I'll take a quick digression. So, because uh, this reminds me of like what it means to be uh, in sort of a social media world, and um, it has some more to do with our 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 neighborhood. But um, we talked a little bit about falling crime rates and how may or, uh, that may or may not have something to do with uh, technology, right? But there's a new app in New York City. It's called Citizen, and it basically um, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's, uh, it used to be called Vigilante. <laughs> So basically, Citizen, um, it'll alert you. It, it basically pushes alerts, um, uh, uh, fire department or police department uh, alerts to your phone based on your geolocation, right? Um, so that um, you're you're aware of what's going on in terms of, of this web. So it's um, like the police rate, the scanner. Radio. Yeah, it's a scanner. Yeah. It's effectively like a, an app version of a scanner. Yeah. Um, and so you're just hyper aware of... Of crime around you, and uh, we generally live in a safe neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but literally, there was a crime. I just remember. I think I was in bed, or I woke up, um, and there was a crime right at our block. Like someone got mugged or something like that, right at the corner of our block. And I was, and I, and I remember being like, "Oh, this happened 11 minutes ago." And like, um, and you don't know how to react, but it's also that you're so hyper aware of crime. Um, uh, it it just it changes like your your sense of how safe your neighborhood is. It's not that, I mean, you could maybe p- perhaps keep uh, the crime rate consistent. And, Can but, you set it to like murders only? Yeah, <laughs> there are all sorts of filtering features yeah. that you would want. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's like, and and there's just, like sort of weird, like people get up, beat up by gangs and like yeah. uh, like like you know maybe not in our block but like you know four or five blocks away like you know man assaulted by a group of people yeah. and you're like is that just a bar fight yeah. i don't know what that means there's a lot of soccer fans in that <laughs> right, yeah, right. um uh, but it makes you hyper aware right and uh, in, 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 in a way that it's like you're both really aware of your neighborhood and also really like alienated from it right like because this is just not your experience like you really feel like there's a lot going on that you're just not really aware of so it's just an interesting space and it's an interesting way that i've been viewing our immediate neighborhood um, and I can't help it. I kind of love it. Um, <laughs> and actually, it happened, uh, the reason, I think... What, what are you supposed to do? Like, it's just like, if you have, if yeah. you saw it, you can, like... Yeah, you help. can record it, or you can yeah. report it, or, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the social media uh, uh, kind of angle was. That... Originally, originally, they were supposed to be, like, there to record the crime, yeah. like, post all this information about the crime, and then the cops got really angry because they were like, look, you know... Preventing crime is the job of cops, not some jackass with an app on his phone because yeah. he's Batman, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and you know, an app doesn't make you the Cape Crusader. Yeah, so yeah. please stay away from crime. <laughs> report it. We don't need you to become another victim just because you want to like fill in. So is it the cops that are putting the information out there? Is so I'm not exactly on... sure where they're getting the feed. It's yeah. definitely the app itself is not. I don't, as far as I know, rival sponsored. rival uh, uh, cart vendors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Like who's um, like, and so I, it's definitely like a smaller like uh, I don't know who, what who owns it or whatever, but it's definitely independent of New York Police. Because I'm so interested in that. Because you can change the fabric of a neighborhood based upon its like citizen score, right? Like right. I, and I think this is. I think the citizen score is nothing more than a map of people who have adopted citizens, yeah, right? right? Like yeah. I mean, like the app. This is just how. This is just a geo mapping of who has adopted this map. Because yeah. there will be crime in yeah. a neighborhood, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's New York City. There's just a higher amount of density. Uh, there's a higher density in terms of people. So people worry about, I guess, like the violence in big cities, right? Yeah. But I always, whenever I'm in a small town or back home, people give me shit about living in New York and why I should be afraid of that. I always just say that I consider, like, muggings or getting jumped equivalent to, like, a car accident, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, like, I walk around everywhere, right? Like, yeah. It's something, you know, like, a car accident is relatively rare, right? Yeah. It can, it can kill you. Sure. Most time it won't, yeah. right? It results in a lot and damage to you, and yeah. it's very expensive. That's exactly the same, you know. Like you walk around New York enough, eventually you're gonna run into somebody who's gonna cause you violence, you know. Maybe not. Maybe you're very lucky. Maybe you, like safely walk everywhere yeah. you go. I mean, I think there, are, and I think that that's a little bit about being street smart. Like yeah. I've only been, I think I've been mugged once in yeah. my life. Me too. Me too. Yeah, and I think there, and I was, I was probably not in the right neighborhood. I was, I mean, there are definitely warning signs yeah, that right. I didn't have to be there at that time. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, lesson learned. Like, I think uh, that's one of the reasons I like in the app, like Citizen, is that I'm sort of aware of, like, I really think about it as plotting paths of, like, how I, or more importantly, my wife can walk home safely, right? Like, yeah. if there are corridors where people are getting uh, mugged, and I, w- I want to know that information, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, I like a crime map. I just think that um, with... Uh, yeah, with with cities, there are there is sort of a, a, a level of crime, uh, or a prevalence of crime people don't aren't aware of. But at the same time, there is a trade off, right? Like, so I I remember this. Like, um, I think, I mean, I I can name people from my high school who were killed in driving accidents, right? And it's not, and, yeah. and it, it goes on to two hands, right? Uh, and certainly, like kids, uh, when I was growing up, one of the things is that every so often you would hear about people who you know, just kids who didn't graduate high school because they died, you know, in a driving accident or maybe a drunk driving accident. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I remember talking to a friend of mine in college and he went to school in New York City. He's like, I know zero people yeah, who died right, in a drunk yeah. driving accident. <laughs> like no one he went to college it's with. so a, worth or it. Or no yeah. one he went to high school with or middle school with died, you know, like as a drunk driving. Like, I mean, I think you have other exposures, right? I mean, yeah. Growing up, like drugs. You, I mean, there's just a lot in the city to take in, but there are other things that you Yeah, but it's the same I guess like safety issue. Like yeah. I would, I don't get extremely drunk because I find that dangerous walking home. Like yeah. if I'm out, if I'm, you know what I mean. Like yeah. even if it's safer than driving for sure. But yeah. like, I'm more likely to get mugged if I'm extremely drunk. Right. Like, you know, like walking in and air, You know, late yeah. at night out of a bar at four a.m. You know, same same situation, but you know, less likely to die from a extremely inebriated drunk um, driver. Yeah, 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 yeah. than a mugging, yeah. which is very professional. Yeah, <laughs> my my jumping was expert. Like, <laughs> it was it was quite quite quick. Yeah, nice, good job. Um, and they left me my phone because it was a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, I think it's uh, it's just it's just another dynamic. It's yeah. different from the city. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about uh, in terms of? Uh, politics, things that have gone on. Before like, we get national, do you want to talk about the De Blasio race or the Yeah, the I would love to primate? talk. About, yeah, I want to talk about the De Blasio race. This is something. Uh, it, previously, I would have thought about it as how the doubling down on defeat, we reelected De Blasio, yeah. and like we actually talked about him because we had dinner together. But yeah. now we don't like De Blasio. <laughs> how can you like De Blasio? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I mean he's, his name is like a synonym for meh. <laughs> De Blasio. Um, I what um, so my take on De Blasio is effectively he inherited uh, a relatively well-run city government, maybe by one of our better city managers. Maybe not such an inspiring person. Maybe not someone to tackle inequality. And if this person I'm talking about is Mike Bloomberg, but someone yeah. who certainly knew the how penguin. To... I call him <laughs> <laughs> the penguin. Yeah, we just put the penguin in charge. Yeah, uh, definitely a city manager. I did, yeah, um, uh, definitely like a, a good city manager. Um, uh, someone I really liked as as mayor. And in, and what you got was uh, you got effectively someone who is born to be the public advocate, which is the a public advocate is a um, it's a role. That's I think, very true. De Blasio was a great public advocate, and will probably yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, that was his height. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, public advocate is an office in New York City government um, that is effectively there um, to try to give voice. It's ombudsman. Yeah, yeah. But yeah it, it's it's really there. It, the ombudsman. Yeah, it's an ombudsman. It's it's there to like drum up um, concern or uh, let's just say press around various issues that may or may not be neglected by yeah. City Hall at any given time. Um, it's, 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 I, I've always felt like it's a position with a lot of clout and a lot of press without a lot of executive authority. Yeah, de Blasio is never, never shines brighter than when people are calling into him on NPR yeah. to like voice their complaints. And yeah. he's, he's making them feel like it's being taken care yeah, of. Yeah, right? right, right, exactly. He's that, very good at that. Yeah. He knows the system very well. He knows how to... like project caring yes project caring that's yeah. right so and when he knows the system very well in the sense that he knows the like public interaction system so he is there to like be the voice of like high moral concern in any situation yeah. um he is there, i think it's like a um a wonderful uh, wonderful statement about how well the city uh, works underneath a man who effectively has brought no real improvements in terms of uh infrastructure 
or um, well, let's talk. Let's talk about what he's done actually. Sure, like, that's fair. The, the things they ran on. So sure. there was the Universal Pre K, right? Yeah, like that was something that he ran on as a big, the Blasio plan item. Sure, right? and he did implement that. That affects me zero percent. It yeah. affects very few New Yorkers actually. Yeah. Not many of us have kids. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, that, it's it's important. That's exciting. Definitely important. I'm for it. Yes. I guess I'm for Universal Pre K. Sure. So. But I think anybody would have done any Democrat running. No, there was no. I would, I would even say that I think any Republican probably would have yeah, yeah, depending yeah. on the tax situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's puppy dogs and rainbows kind of stuff. Yeah. Sure. The the big issue, the huge issue during the campaign was would you run over kittens? Yeah, remember that the whole like kitten the kitten uh, yeah, I think summit. So. Yeah, there was that there was that yeah. that MTA train conductor that stopped the train down at Cortelio, I believe on the on the Q train and he stopped the train for like 30 minutes because there was a, a cat that had some kittens on the track yeah and this is a huge deal and so at the time so yeah. the press asked all the people running so it was de blasio versus joe loda who yeah. used to run the mta yeah what they would do yeah and de blasio said he would he was glad that he stopped the train yeah he would he, he would have done it too yeah and rescued those kittens before yeah. the train yeah, continued sure. on its way and joe loda said fuck no we ran over those kittens you know the trains must always go on time yeah and joe loda was this killed him this lost him the election he had no chance anyway yeah but this was this a thing this didn't lose him the election yeah but. yeah this had, but it definitely like that was the thing people were, yeah. couldn't stop talking about how this guy was a kitten killer like yeah. it was pretty impressive taking the anti-kitten stance <laughs> where he did it i believed him i believed that he would have run over those kittens yes yeah uh, so we have a non-kitten killing mayor and it shows every day yeah <laughs> right and i think one of the this, the minor irritations he gets a lot of national coverage for this but like he feels compelled to take on trump on the on twitter he's sure. not as good at twitter as trump is yeah. um and i does zero for new york City. he's very de blasio yeah like, he's right so high-minded yeah yeah high-minded <laughs> arguing with uh, Trump, right? So again, once again, he's playing the public advocate, yeah. uh, rather than sort of making sure um, that the trains run on time, right? Yeah, um, which is something that they do definitely do not. Like do during not the De Blasio administration, yeah, the MTAs, things, yeah. yeah, that is the number one issue going into this. Right, election. and I think uh, someone was pointing out that De Blasio said that he didn't want to be the pothole mayor when if, when he was a mayor, and I was like. Every mayor needs to be a pothole mayor. You're like, not. You're running for mayor. mayor right? Yeah, that's what's cool right. about it. Yeah, you're, you're not you don't secretary have have... general. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't get to like. You're not there to like make high-minded statements all the time. Like you care about sanitation. You yeah. care about transportation. You care about education. Yeah, you're yeah. you're a fellow New York. How many people would you be comfortable being murdered by the mayor? So the trains did run on time and effectively. <laughs> For me, it's about five. <laughs> I, I don't look want... the other way on five murders. <laughs> right. I, 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 I don't want people to be murdered. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell me after. Tell me later. Tell me after being recorded. Right. I, I do not want people to be murdered in order for the trains to run on time. I would rather people be off the tracks. Yeah, right. All yeah. Right, right. Yeah, right. for sure. But like, the death of the MTA is like, need someone with some teeth to 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 get it running and get it in shape and get the problem sorted out which are legion and complex i understand the complexity yeah. but at the same time like yeah I, and i think de blasio is allowed is allowed to become this like straw man in flesh of this like progressive politician yeah. who effectively does nothing yeah, which is a little no, bit unfair yeah. yeah and i actually think that and for all his faults i think michael bloomberg was in some ways more progressive um, in terms of the environment, in terms of trying to think about transportation, and trying to, in, at least in terms of thinking about a green city, definitely a technocrat. And New York's yeah. a technocratic city. Yeah. Like if you don't have any idea how the the, the technology of the city works, sure. like you're going to be ineffective at fixing the potholes or getting. Yeah. The... And De Blasio's never worked, uh, walked away from, or been able to clean his hands of uh, allegations of corruption or sort of a grubby like connections to organized real estate development. Yeah, organized crime, real estate development. And one of the things that's implicit in everything de Blasio does, or at least one of the things that he promised to work on, was the huge disparities in terms of inequality in New York City. It yeah. is a very unequal city. It always has been. Um, and he's effectively done nothing. I don't know what people could do, but I think if, he, if that was his number one concern, he would have at least been able to show something, right? Um, which he hasn't. Yeah, I mean, I, his, again, yeah, in that his his policy his policy there has been making sure that each new building what has like ten percent or something of the housing in it is like 
low income housing. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's his plan. Yeah. That's a terrible plan for yeah. many reasons. But you know, I, the it, that plan hasn't even really worked. So yeah. he, on his own terms, he's kind of failed to yeah. make the income inequality problem in any way. Right. It was, it's sort of a bad, shallow plan that's been tried before. Yeah. yeah. And there and you would and. In inequality in terms of housing is something that New York City has tackled with and failed to, to deal with, or it's very hard to think about uh, income inequality or housing inequality in a city that's growing because people want to be here, right? So yeah. how do you continue to um, how do you continue to house uh, people who have lived here or middle class people um, while there's such a demand for a relatively um, uh, relatively rare housing stock, right? Like if you have occupancy rates around 98, 99%, like as an economist would tell you, you need to build more, but how do you build more in a way that's equitable? That's a really hard question. That's not yeah. an easy question yeah, yeah, to answer. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about de Blasio? Uh, I mean, he's going to win. Yeah. I can say that. Yeah. He's definitely not going to lose. Yeah. Like, he will win this election, unless like Hillary Clinton decides to run for mayor. As an independent. As an independent. Yeah. I think she would win if she, she did. Would. Yeah, she but, would win. Yeah, but I think unless that happens, de Blasio's got it locked up. Or Bloomberg. I guess Bloomberg can't run again. Yeah, I think people miss Bloomberg, and I think they miss a technocrat that is effective. Yeah, uh, I think we will see uh, after the age of Trump, after if that ever goes away, and Republicans return to like a, a pitch of effectiveness. Yeah, we might see a challenge someday from a technocratic right. Yeah, that has a vision for New York that's more dare I say it, Californian yeah. than our progressive left, yeah. which I would like to see stay in power and just be effective. I would wish that the progressive left was more technocratic and smarter and had better metrics for defining success and was able to meet those metrics. Yeah, and I think that the point of the technoc- I, technocratic right is um, effectively in New York City you have to be able to uh, if you're going to run as a Republican, you have to be a pretty centrist Republican. Even Giuliani in his yeah. day. Giuliani actually started out as a Democrat, like, which is a weird thing to think about. Uh, Bloomberg was a Democrat up until he wanted to run. Right? Like <laughs> He was always a Democrat. Yeah. He was a Republican. Like, he was nothing. He was yeah. Bloomberg. He yeah, was he the was Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is the Penguin? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got an umbrella with nerve gas in it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I think that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't... I don't know if there are any uh, strong conclusions to draw from from the New York City elections. It's just, yeah, we have a, like kind of a, in my mind, one of the worst examples of a progressive politician who is successful in getting reelected. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you feel about the relationship between de Blasio and Schumer um, as far as New York's profile during the Trump years? Yeah. Like, so we have two, we have kind of a conflict here. Yeah, right. You have like a... Like um, someone who is antagonistic, but in the end, sort of little more than you know tweets and hot air, right? yeah. as opposed to someone who is uh, has to walk this line of being rhetorically antagonistic, but effectively having uh, in having a situation of cutting the in in a situation where they find themselves cutting deals with the president. Um, to me, I think this is kind of great. I mean, I uh, we I think we've talked about how much we hate Jack Schumer. He's a sleazy guy. Yeah. He's really really terrible. But no one level. denies his effectiveness. Yes, that's no, yeah, he's effective. Yeah. yeah, he's effective. And as a minority party, if you can cut any kind of deal now um, that allows you to get some sort of agenda through, like I think that would be interesting. Uh, I would say, so far, all they've managed to do is um, is is work around the debt ceiling issue for, or they postponed a debt ceiling vote for, uh, suspended the debt ceiling uh, for three months, which um, the Republicans need effectively, unless they're going to be blamed for shutting down the government, um, and uh, and they're going to, and it plays a little bit in terms of the to the politics of the Democrats because in another three months, this whole issue of whether or not the Republicans want to shut down government. Uh, uh, can crop up, and the truth is that there is a significant wing of the Republican Party that doesn't like raising the debt ceiling and would rather shut down the government than raise the debt ceiling. So this continues to be an issue that they will bring up. It's a good way of trolling, quote unquote, trolling the Republicans, but it doesn't put forth a democratic agenda item, right? Other than yeah. to, it also we, yeah. what it does to my mind is it keeps the Democrats from being on the same page as the Ron Johnson like right who. Yeah. Be, 
during hurricane season. Yeah. I think the Democrats want to be there, want to be able to stay firm as far as like getting what they want out of the Congress, right? But right. they can't shut down the government. They're right. threatened to right now when right. there's giant aid packages going. Sure, the Republicans wanted the package to be six months or a year, right? <laughs> like the, the debt ceiling suspension. Yeah. Trump took the first year, which is three months, so that puts this entire conversation back on the table in what December or something like that. Yeah, December. I think Mitch McConnell said January. Yeah, yeah. January, yeah. which is not hurricane season. So right. you're not looking at tragedy or yeah. giant aid packages going through as something. Now you're talking about actual policy, right? So if there's if there isn't a deal on DACA, if the, if Trump is being stubborn about this stupid fucking wall, yeah. there's any number of sticking points that the Democrats can ask for things or get their leverage in order to make the government continue to function. Yeah, I don't, and numerous people said this, right? Like we don't know whether this is a an indication of things to come. They talk about the affinity that uh, Trump has with Schumer versus Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell. That meaning that he has some because they're both kind of outer borough guys. They have they can get along maybe they can shoot the shit together but whether or not it it involves getting putting forth policy that is actually either democratic or i would say in some ways good for the country um, <laughs> smart policy just not extremely or unrepentantly cruel like, it's just not DACA, terrible right yeah. like i mean and doc is one of those things that is this is the, the interesting thing about doc it is actually popular and it's something like i think 55 percent of republicans say that People who qualify for DACA or people within that group, which are effectively yeah. millennials. Right, DACA is a Republican compromise millennials. for an immigration amnesty. Yeah, right? that is and a they, gang of eight policies. Yeah, essentially. yeah, millennials. Uh, that this group of uh, of illegal immigrants should be given citizenship. That's fifty five percent of Republicans. Yeah. So, um, so I'd say it's a hundred percent of Democrats. If you if you don't believe that, then fucking what party are you? <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. They're the people that don't, you know. Like, yeah, I th- and so that's a litmus test for Democrats for so be so and you'll know, we can talk a little bit about immigration in general because yeah. I think uh, one of the things that comes up is that uh, if Trump uh, if Trump is actually able to follow through on all his promises, he will be exposed to. I think you will you will demand headlines of, of absolute cruelty as you try to effectively deport if not million like millions of people right yeah. so I it's mean, 800,000 I think that qualifies yeah 800,000 for DACA but there are millions more there absolutely who would be and actually all this um, build up of the um, immigration police or the immigration force has managed to uh, to maybe deport maybe on the order of six to ten thousand people right like it's not it's not a huge amount and it's there's certainly um ramping up spending for that it's in keeping with the obama administration's for some reason desire and goal to do the same thing yeah i mean it's definitely it's the the rhetoric the rhetoric has changed the numbers effectively have the needle hasn't swung that much you can make an argument about why that is but effectively the 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 policy was always to deport these hardened criminals um there's a little bit of a wider net being cast it's certainly a much more expensive net and What's happening is, is more and more as you're getting stories about how cruel some of this are, enforcement is if you're trying to deport people who have lived lives here uh, free of crime. Or I think it's a policy that could, like any of these really hardline policies, could expose uh, the administration to a lot of negative press coverage in a way that I think will be really sympathetic, uh, sympathetic to the people who are being deported. So in one way that you know they've already talked about whether or not they have a deal on DACA, the Democrats, Pelosi. And Schumer. At the same time, I think Tom Cotton got a call from Trump saying that there's no deal on DACA. So Tom Cotton. Yeah, Tom Cotton. Uh, he's a, uh, for those who don't know, he's a senator from Arkansas. 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 Yeah, and he's a, but he's a he's a hardliner on immigration. He's yeah. very much sort of that um, Jeff Sessions camp. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, and so apparently Trump is just trying to tell people what they want until he makes up his mind arbitrarily and maybe he can make a deal. Uh, I think he's learned that he can make a deal if it surprises everyone all of a sudden and there's some rump of the Republicans that can he can drag along with him. So. Yeah, I think it's I think it's great for the Democrats and bad for Trump. It's like the only thing that will cause his insane base to hate him is his protection of, demo, of immigrants, immigrants of any yeah. kind, right? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, he is being sold this by the Democrats that it's going to help him and it's only going to hurt him it's only going to cause that you know 38% to whittle down to 34% yeah that's how you get him to 34% there's a deal with the Democrats yeah so uh, in one way I mean a Democrat especially if you're in any kind of leadership um, position in the national 
uh, in a national stage, right? Like, I mean, your relationship will always be tactical with him. Yeah. Like, it will never be like, oh, all of a sudden he did all these great things for us. We all of a sudden love Donald Trump. I don't think there's ever going to be a point. So you're always going to have a tactical relationship, which is perfect because I think Dan, uh, Donald Trump is sort of a tactical, shallow guy, right? Yeah, not um, a strategic thing. Yeah, not a strategic thing. He's tactical. I mean, yeah. And it, there's nothing wrong with that in, in certain environments, but that's perfect. And I think, um, I think where the Republicans are faltering or trying to find their uh, their footing is that they they want this to be an ideology they want this to be a party they want to have like an ability to continue to to um, resonate with their own voters they're hoping to wed their um, their own policies with the popularity of Trump all of that's what they're hoping to evolve and and that's generally it's just hurting them and it's not really clear what new poli- what's going to come out of this although they are talking about repealing health care one more time. Trying once again at it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Like they've got what this might be the time. Days? Yeah, we've got twelve days. I mean yeah. it seems unlikely. Right? Rand Paul is gonna be the one that doesn't budge this time. They'll have their like heroic moment, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> to keep him elected. Everybody gets a chance. Yeah, I mean it's actually one of the things with Tom Cotton actually I so said this this guy who's a really hardliner on immigration was actually he was flipping and flopping about health care because yeah. it was actually relatively popular in Arkansas. Right, so it just depends on, yeah. I mean, I think I think at the, you know they all don't want Obamacare to be repealed, all of them. Yeah, but they have to take turns being the one who makes sure it doesn't have to break, and they have to keep doing it. Yeah, and they can't stop. They yeah. can't give up. Yeah, because it is something that the base says they want. Until they stop saying they want it, like I don't know, and into public school right? right eventually we stopped caring about public school right? right the right stopped trying to repeal public school right right I mean, <laughs> it eventually became an entitlement right and it yeah. ceased to be a wedge issue so to well health care coverage that is subsidized by the federal government on some level perhaps yeah um uh there are a number of other things uh we can talk about yeah, i was okay. thinking i wanted to talk a little bit about random shit oh okay you got yeah. random shit yeah i did have a <laughs> random shit and i was thinking about this in terms of the podcast um so uh one of the things that i've been doing with my time is i've been um taking intensive chinese yeah um and uh it's going all right uh and um but my wife uh my wife speaks chinese so like we can we can have a little conversation but she watches chinese drama <laughs> Um, and there's this drama, it's about 50, 60 episodes long. And I think it's kind of referred to as the Chinese Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay. It's called, um, it gets translated as Nirvana in Fire. Okay. But it's Langyaban, um, Langyaban. Um, and um, and uh, it's, uh, you can see it on, on services like Vicky. I'm sure the Pirate Bay has plenty of it. There's yeah. English subtitles. Um but what makes it really, really compelling, right, is that it's, it's basically there is this uh, chief, there's this mysterious advisor who comes in and tries to anoint uh, the next emperor among these sort of warring clans of these various brothers. And so he's always trying to play, um, uh, he's tr- effectively he's rooting for one person, but each, each one of these brothers who could be the emperor um, is trying to win his favor and trying to get his advice. But the advice is, is very much like, it's very political. Like, how do I deal with this scandal at the moment? So that's how the drama comes up. Or, oh, all of a sudden there's this official that got caught uh, doing this. How do I deal with him? And the way it works out is it's very much, and this sort of has something to do with Chinese politics a lot, obviously. But it is actually, it echoes the Trump administration because you have various camps who um, are, are loath to lose face yeah. based on how one or another of their underlings is fucking up. So if their underlings is doing well, then they're doing well, they need their... And um, one of the key issues is whether or not uh, the military, military supports one or the other brother. Like one brother is very has has a, a lot of the bureaucracy behind them, but not the military. The other one brother has the military behind him, but none of the bureaucracy. And it's kind of and and so what makes this it's really fascinating because effectively all their people are doing is talking about gaming. Yeah. Gaming politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and then it's punctuated by, you know, a twenty minute kung fu fight. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Fight. Yeah. Um <laughs> And uh, there's actually, so uh, for those of you who don't know, I mean, Chinese history is replete. It actually has a long history of having an imperial bureaucracy. Yeah. So the state religion, right? Yeah. 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 So there's the, and there's this long history 
of of having of having advisors, right? So like Confucius actually comes out as being kind of a low ranking uh, bureaucratic advisor. He's trying to work his way up the scheme. That's why he writes his very famous books. He's trying to get a or he's trying to become a much more prominent advisor. Um, and there's a word in Chinese that effectively they, it's hard to translate, but effectively you're the advisor, you're a strategist. Yeah. Um, uh, of uh, of various uh, political entities, but I love the idea of like a brother. Like there's a there's a bureaucratic side that will like <laughs> slow things down <laughs> and it can be problematic unless you know how to work with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also the military side. There are a number of other issues, um, and then of course you have uh, you know a third of the show devoted to like random kung fu. Players. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, happens every day. Yeah. <laughs> so this is um. It's, it's kind of a recommendation. I don't know how well it works if you don't have someone who can explain to you the Chinese. Um, <laughs> because I read it in English subtitles and it's still confusing. Yeah. yeah. As far as like what's happening. Yeah, it's a little confusing. Like you just have to pay attention. Um, There's a lot of like context. Then. There's a lot of context. Yeah. There are a lot of characters they throw at you yeah, like yeah, from yeah. the get-go. And uh, yeah, that's that could be hard. And the names all kind of sound alike. So they're like Jin or Yu or something like that. So you have to kind of... Is there like color coding? <laughs> Not as much as you want. Yeah. There's not as much. There's not, like, color-coded people. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. have, like, a uniform. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think they do an okay job, but, yeah, it's, it's harder than, yeah, you think. So Interesting. So, yeah, I was thinking about this. I was thinking how, like, political and how it really is evocative of American politics, especially, like, this cult of personality. Deep state politics. Yeah, like, deep state is a, there is a bureaucracy yeah. there. Uh, but this whole cult of personality that is like of a king or of an emperor around Donald Trump, and so yeah. you do worry about like his daughter figure or who has to get married off, like who has to get married off, and all of these things. So I hope after Trumpism disappears or ejaculates and goes into its refractory period, yeah, uh, we do have a great golden age of civil service. I'd love to <laughs> see like American civil service come into its own, where it's like. You know, we, what jobs are left? You know, if technology is taking everything else, administration and just, like, yeah. manipulating the resources should become, like, a professional sort of, like, goal of people who are smart and capable and strategic. Well, like right. And I think more good people in government. Yeah, I mean, and there has been a historic um, precedent of having, uh, yeah, smart, competent people who do care a lot about the country or general good. Um, you know, working as part of the administrative state. Like, it's not unheard of. I think uh, we tend to think of them as bureaucrats as being sort of this, like, weird shadow um, of ineptitude, incompetence, and malevolence, right? Um, and I, maybe that's just Americans wanting small government. But, uh, you know, I think one thing that's been really clear is that the quote-unquote deep state is actually populated by people who really do care about that country who are trying to do a good job. Maybe. Yeah. How do we, we maybe we need more shows about effective <laughs> bureaucracy. <laughs> it's very Chinese, yeah, exactly. So that's uh, Lang Yaban, which is translates uh, in no Nirva- way. Nirvana in fire? Nirvana in fire. So metal. Yeah, Nirvana in fire. <laughs> like, it had, that is not what the name translates to, but sure, go Nirvana in fire. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. 60 episodes, I'm in. Yeah, cool. Uh, so that is my random shit slash recommendation yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. the week. Um, and I think that's it for us right? yeah for sure uh, hopefully we'll try to do this way more regularly yeah sure absolutely uh, thank you guys for listening once again uh, I am Kamala Shrao and with me Miracle Jones yeah and, uh, and thanks stay, again to Kevin Carter for playing our outro music stay reasonable and dead inside yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take care everyone